Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ever wonder what happens when a country witch crosses paths with a city witch? We did too. Welcome to This Old Witch, an organic podcast radio show that brings together two different perspectives of two different witches from two different environments via the magic of technology. <laughs> All right. Well, we are live for the first time on Facebook and YouTube. This is finally, finally starting. Absolutely. Yes, we are completely live. Um, Our video feeds look good, and it looks like it's going to be a pretty good show. We got a really cool guest. Uh, Magnificent. Yes. um, So excited. Yes, I haven't seen her in over a year. Uh, I actually got to sit and chat with her a pretty long while with uh, when I... I had brought her in for the Philadelphia Pagan Pride, so I haven't seen her since then in person. We've talked a little bit here and there, but uh, I'm really excited to have uh, Laura Tempest Zorkov uh, right. uh, on everything that we did um, have her. If I look to the left, uh, it's because I have this big video thing that I'm watching, so I can kind of keep an eye on our video feeds uh, through that, but uh, I don't know if there's anything that you want to say. I'm just really our guest tonight because she not only is she an author, a dancer, and also an artist that I've always admired. I've I've known her for a couple of years now from Salem and that she came to do some classes and of course at Hexfest in New Orleans. So I'm really happy that I'll be able to uh, interact with her today. Yes, I'm really, really excited. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about with her too. Um, you know, her books are are pretty cool. I have a lot of questions about sigils and things like that. So, uh, yes, we should we should have a should be a good show. We should have a lot of fun with it, and uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, I think it would be really, really great. All right, we'll see if she's uh, see if she wants to talk to us. Maybe she doesn't even want to talk to us. I don't know. <laughs> ring, ring. <laughs> To anyone, because while I'm trying to get her to to get, uh, because it seems I want to go. Um, really? Okay. No, I've just had. It's been a hell of a week, and <laughs> and coming towards um, clause here in New York, we have uh, Governor Cuomo's laws and uh, the lockdown that are implemented. I think, but after the thing, there will be. 
a little more restrictions. Uh, we think we're thinking that things will be back to more normal at full capacity by the end, by the beginning of June mm. or the end. Okay. So we're we're, uh, we're we're just making the best of every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same here. All right, I I think we got her. Yay! She should be popping yes. on. Welcome to this. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. What are y'all doing? Good. I'm good. doing wonderful. How's this um, pandemic mess uh, been keeping you busy or holding you out? Or... Yeah, tell us, tell us about Rhode Island. How uh, the measures? From what I understand, Rhode Island's been at the top of preparedness like for like even since around March or so. So people are largely behaving you know, they're wearing masks they're mostly observing six feet when you go on it's been fairly quiet so that's good um i'm not so sure more towards the touristy area and port and such but, you know in Ireland, we're small it's easy to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> i love so. road i visited several times for me it's it's a wonderfully weird little state it is it is <laughs> It's a, there's a lot. You can have a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, Providence Town, and you have um, uh, what's that other one? I can't think of it now. It's more. It's very lakey kind of uh, touristy town. I can't think of what it is right now. Um, I've been there. Rhode Island. There's only two places. I've, yeah, in Rhode Island that I've been to. It, so, where's Rehoboth? Massachusetts. Uh, Massachusetts. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's just over the border. If you blink when you're driving Island, like suddenly you're in Rehoboth. I remember Rehoboth back in the early 90s. A lot of witchy things happened in that area back then. Yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, the 90s. I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I still I think I'm there. In the 90s. But anyway. You know, what? I think I still live in the 90s half the time. <laughs> I know, I live in the 80s as well. <laughs> so, of course, I left my phone on. Um, how... <laughs> So, um, other than that, what else have you been up to, um, you know, book-wise and, and all that, and what's been going on? I haven't seen you since uh, Philadelphia Pagan Pride, so um, I don't here and there, but, um, you know, I know that uh, you're, you're, you're as busy as I am between everything that you're doing, uh, the paintings, and, and you know, you, you've, you've got a ton of stuff going on always, so uh, what's been up with this time that you've had, this free time that we have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we had a very busy uh, festival season lined up. You know, we uh, did Pan. That was the, you know, going to start the things. And then we're going to have the Ganicon and Between the Worlds and a bunch of different things. And uh, just as soon as we switched, I'm like, well, I'm not sure how long this is going to last. Quickly, I switched right on to doing all ups, which has been fantastic. Uh, been really wonderful people all over and, you know, even repeat objects are selling out every week. So, that's that's been good and uh, working on lots of new artwork as sort of like art like printing your own book <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the new image and uh, learning of how to do things online with shops saving all this festival stock well i want to hold on to it because what if you know in yeah. april may june well now it's all the way to august and i have no confidence that it's you know going to change even into the fall so 
figuring out that way to still bring in bring in money. This is what we do full time. You know, my partner's a musician and he's been doing concerts and such, you know, through um, streaming. And so I've been teaching and making it and like, how else do we get around? How do we pay the mortgage? And so it's been challenging, but also getting yard work done. It's exciting because I didn't think we'd have any time. <laughs> I saw, yes, I saw that. Uh, did you decide on pumpkins? Uh, we've got um, we've got pumpkins. We have yellow squash, zucchini. We are going to be so covered in squash, uh, and also yeah, miss squash. Because like, <laughs> I I have the worst. Way. Oh, I'll save some seeds, and I'm just gonna I'll I'll definitely remember what these seeds are. And you put them in a baggie, and you don't pull them, or you put them in a jar, and it's like this is a mess. It's great. What's gonna grow? <laughs> and so we're either gonna have spaghetti squash or festival pumpkins or something else. We'll we'll see. It'll be it'll be a wonderful surprise come the fall. <laughs> Uh, the, Laura, thing with squash, with, the thing with, with squash um, is once you plant them, you know, they, uh, they just greasy. You, you end up with, you know, you're like, Oh, I'll have three or four squash, you know, maybe, maybe eight to go through. Nope. You get like 25 and you just give them away to everybody. I kind of gave up on doing, on doing squash that and green beans. Those are another one that just constantly, constantly. Green beans. Oh, wow. Yeah, I imagine that I'll just be handing them to small children as they're going by, walking yeah. by the here. The witch on the block hand. Take this home to your parents. It will be good for stock, you know. Does anybody have any corn? We have a lot of squash traded back and forth, bartering system. <laughs> Laura, hey, I wanted to you ask know, you with, with your with her name. What's your elegance? <laughs> kind of people who like to open countries. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Zoff is Russian, though if you break down the period of where you're looking at, it's Latvian and Lithuanian. Okay. Um, uh, and then even in that group, that's also the Jewish branch, but there's also some Scandinavian, Hungarian, and other Slavic stuff that side. My mother's side is Sicilian and Italian, um, and also some uh, Romani as well mixed in there. There's, there's a whole lot of stuff. No wonder you're so powerful. <laughs> right? It's a like magical being and all that uh, mixture. It's great. We all, we're all mutts, but that that's phenomenal. My my partner is Scottish, Irish, and has some African American background. So it's like, what the? It just this is you know find more of what we don't have. We have to find some more <laughs> and just uh, keep going on that. So I mean. I think the line is ending here. I think my brother are often using, but this, well, well. <laughs> ending the legacy. Have you ever done the ZNA, friends? I haven't done it yet. I don't think anyone in my family hasn't. Um, it's been one of those. Oh, we'll get there. We'll find something. I want to see how far it goes because, like, every time there's an update online, I love how seeing my feed goes. But I was percent this, and now I'm six percent that. Like, <laughs> oh. It does change. Do you, do yeah, you add change. a lot of black was, culture was, into your magical practice? I I pull from what come what what comes assaulting me in the night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get that. <laughs> uh, so there there is um you know going back back into the time of the nineties you know, where everything was coming out with these ethnic witchcraft books. You know the Italian this and the. Um, Irish that, and I'm like, well, what am I do? What am I all of these different? And so I was studying a lot of the Italian Mediterranean folklore with uh, being a belly dancer. You know, studied all the North African dances, Turkey and Arabian Peninsula, and all around there, and um, all the trance dances are 
So I'm like studying all of those cultures. And then one of my main mentors was a, a Slavic history professor. I got all the Slavic and the Russian stuff, you know, and all those magical elements. So yeah, I pull a little bit from that, but I recognize I live here, you know, Right now, that's Rhode Island. Since we bought a house, it's probably for a long time, hopefully. <laughs> it's really lovely house. I saw that picture of yours. Thank you. It's like, it's, it's like Baba Yaga's hut without the chicken legs. Yeah, it's so charming. I don't want to be feed out front. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is that what you call yourself a monk tradition? Is yes. that because of the um, mixtures and with family, with practices? Yes. So back in the day, you know, going back to the 90s, saying like, well, what what do we call? It? And I wasn't particularly finding myself, you know, even though I at Gardner and Alexandria and you know, all the different branches of Wicca, and I really felt more folkloric. So I was looking back into that theory, but still recognizing that I'm a modern person. You know, can't some of those things that you can't do that nowadays you know whether it's for animal safety or it's you know it's not prevalent in the current landscape and so it's that recognition of tradition coming down through the ages that alteration is constantly made like we make new traditions like what's happening right now forming new traditions that affect our practice and then also that which is i think throughout history have always been opportunists and like oh that works better i am grabbing that you know, it's just like, yes, this is how we do it, but we can also set this on fire quicker. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, how we, we take from uh, Hinduism philosophy, you know, with, with uh, the Brits. And that has always been, you know, infused with modern practices as well. Well, the <laughs> chakras and so, and so forth. So that, that's not really British traditional, but it has been infused with, with the whole uh, system that we have in place today. Yeah, just pulls it in. And then you also look at, um, there's only so many human solutions. Mm-hmm. As I, the, the slutty muse factor is that you can go anywhere around the world and find similar solutions to common problems, especially when it comes to spirituality. Uh, it only gets disrupted when you come across people who have a very not narrow mindset and say, this is the only way this can be and all this is wrong. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, you know, sort of in, not to say monotheistic, but some of those practices have not been very fluid, right? And right. so you, you lose a lot of that information, but it's fascinating to see parallel myths and the same way using elements, uh, you know, 
just the, the words might be different, how it's done is a little bit different, but there's a commonality that's amazing to see that I feel like, especially as a magical practitioner, that you can go anywhere else in the world and sit down and talk about a concept or do a ritual and find a connect rather than it being completely foreign if you go to the essence of practice rather than the periphery. Absolutely. Well, that's one of the things that's always fascinated me about you because obviously I'm older than you and I come from other traditions, you know, with my, my background and in, in my family and so forth. But it, for you being an artist, I've always, I have here actually one that I, I don't know if you could see it, <laughs> which I love. And, uh, I got it at a hex fest when we first. So, um, that was, I was always drawn, especially when you, to Salem. I wasn't in Salem. We're doing your class, I believe. At uh, Enchanted with uh, Chris LaPasser. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told him, I said, Can you say, you know what? She's fascinating. Save me a book, Chris. And he did. Oh, nice. It's very sweet of him. I think you were doing the uh, cauldron. Yeah, I think that was the stirring the cauldron or the cauldron. It was one of the cauldron ones. It was one of the first little book tours that we did. That was a very interesting book tour because it was in the, the Nexus, and people knowing me as a dancer. Uh, and the deer and recognizing, like, as I was coming back, I was so involved in paganism and witchcraft in the 90s and took a hiatus um, pretty much until the previous decade that people were like, oh, you're involved in this? I'm like, yes, it just, you know, sometimes you have to put some things underground and come back. And now people are like, oh, you dance? <laughs> I think. What what came first? Was it the, the art, um, the dance, or the the books? Art. Uh, so I've been involved in the art making since uh, my parents sent me to school when I was three. <laughs> Probably like she keeps drawing it wrong. Um, I wasn't very coordinated. So, you know, this is a time of like really written and like gymnastic, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a little gymnast. And <laughs> like this, this child is not coordinated enough for this. Perhaps you should give her something else to do. <laughs> they can see me now. I'm very well coordinated when it comes to dance. What so art. <clears throat> Okay, well, art, art is the first thing, and it's sort of been my rough my touchstone for everything else. Uh, and then did everything, <laughs> or uh, the other statement invaded the art. <laughs> in in regards to your spirituality, is it, which one came first, not the art? Like, did it reflect your spirituality right away? Did it uh, go into that? Uh, is it, I myself, you know, uh, I went to art school. I've been many years in the art um, field, and for me, the spiritual aspects didn't roll over until much, much, much later. Like I almost separated them um, until literally three years ago, um, and then I started to play. But um, mm-hmm. did you find that your spirituality was reflected in your art early, or did it, did it come later on? It was fairly early. Uh, so you know, I went to Catholic school, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> very, very early on. Uh, pretty much got labeled a heretic and a blasphemer. Uh, you know, I, I already knew it doesn't jive. I'm not very happy with this. And so when they, uh, you know, give you an assignment, I think there was this one about like being within the essence of God. And I drew children like sort of nude from behind, but like wearing like transparent things. Cause like, this is them in heaven or whatever. And they're like this, they're naked. I'm like, you can't see anything. It's a little drawing. And I uh, you know, that, 
the spiritual, like there's nothing wrong with the human body. And I think it was like fourth or fifth grade that I'm getting in trouble. My parents also had like the general, you know, so I'm like, oh, and there's Rubens and Tidian and like, there's boobs. Why is this a bad thing? <laughs> Makes sense to me. Spiritual art. Look at that. And uh, so when I got into my teens, uh, that's when I started looking at realizing that there are other spiritualities in the world, because besides being in the Abrahamic face, my father being Jewish, mother, you know, Italian Catholic, like, oh, wait, there is the Native American belief system, which is very true. That's like the one thing I'm not. As far as I know, nobody slept. <laughs> uh, but I, I recognize that closeness to the earth. And so respecting that different, particularly Western uh, nations, because that's where my aunt lived at that time. So I was going to be like, look at this art, look at this body. Uh, and so kind of moving into that sense of myth and line and pulling that through as well as going into Egypt, loving you know, everything, you know, starting to read papyrus, you know, like, oh, look, I can, I can, you know, figure out how to look. Ancient cultures, you know, are, are showing up in my art. And then it became a little bit more modern when I was reading uh, Griffin by Nick Bannock. And that was the first sort of uh, meets the occult, meets mystery and the spirituality in a sort of surreal setting. And that was, boom, that was it. Like from there on, everything was exploring in a more modern, all the things that I'd studied, but, you know, slowly taking form of like, what is a spell and what is the goddess and what is the spirit of things, you know? So that was, that was pretty early and uh, hasn't that way yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's rolled, you're taking that too. Um, I think I remember uh, we talked about that at, um, uh, Philadelphia Pagan Pride, how uh, the, your dance kind of came out of the spirituality. Um, remember, and um, you know, from there, then you were able to um, tap different. That's what we were talking about a little bit at uh, Philadelphia Pagan Pride with that. Um, so, how did that, how did that kind of pour into that? So when I uh, was in college and I informed the society, uh, I had a friend who I've been practicing with who had graduated a year or two ago. And, uh, and so, you know, discussing like, what is it that we want to study? Because she had uh, initiated one of the Rhode Islanders and I'm really keen on that group. I had sort of seen some of the, I'm like, I don't know, why don't we focus on more of like our common, because she also had Slavic and Russian. And we had another friend who was, it was like the perfect group <laughs> that were like together. And uh, so she was back in San Francisco and she's like, oh my God, I was at the Washington um, street fairs and saw these belly dancers. And this was the beginning of Fat Chance, Belly Dance, you know, tribal sets. And that was amazing. I've been moving together. The empire powerful. Well, that hadn't hit the East Coast yet. And so, like, well, I didn't know there's any difference. And so I found local classes. And then everybody who was interested in our pagan group also joined the classes. And so you had a bunch of belly dancing witches. Uh, you know, so we're going to bring this into our rituals. And that's that's kind of where it went from there. Is I'm at the body tool for magic and for rituals it's not um specific movements or choreography but how do you connect with your body how do you use rhythm how do you use that music and the connection to have a more powerful experience absolutely belly dancing has always had that mysticism has carried that mysticism throughout the ages and you know spirituality and, and the eminent and divine mm -hmm. so it's it has been wonderful uh you know art form do you, do you think um, 
now with a lot of this, uh, and I think me and Alex talked a little bit about uh, cultural origin, um, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to see it roll over into the belly dim, um form, I guess you could say. Um, are, you, are you seeing that yourself with that? Being that, because uh, I don't, like for myself, I don't book belly dancers for my events um, because it's a personal thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot of people have it, and it's, it's very common. And I try to give something different, something that's a little bit more uh, unique and on the edge on, on that. Uh, so that's more of a personal thing. But, um, you know, I had a full conversation with uh, a belly dancer, uh, Lorenda. I don't know if you know. She's fairly big on the East Coast. Um, and uh, we had that, that discussion that she's getting a lot of uh, slack and lack. Uh, a lot of events don't want to book her because of the cultural appropriation um and she gets away with it because uh, she's darker skinned um which Mm -hmm. i think is wrong but you know obviously i guess people are starting to pull that um art uh appreciation wait one second there is now cultural appropriation within belly dances yeah are you you out of this is like mind blowing. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so there's a few layers here. The the one that I was gonna skim off the top first, which is, you know, it's it's because of the, the concept of the show the feminine divine that's you know been going around for uh, forty years at least. Um right. You do get, you know, folks who are belly dancing at Pagan Pride and other events, but very not so often is the dance connected to a spiritual element uh and that's that's a disconnect for me to see people who are like and here's our choreography to you know yahabibi and like what does this have to do with witchcraft paganism whatever mm-hmm. um if it's it's not you know a spiritual element to it that there's not magic not ritual to it and let's say it can definitely be that but so many groups just come in and like we're belly dancers we're throwing on a hip scarf and they just sort of you know it's sort of like someone getting to be a witch right they come in with a hat of wand and i'm a ritual and you're like <laughs> but you didn't do any of the things that are part of that um so i think that's that's one i'm gonna put that on the shelf so that's like- what's called cultural appropriation that- That's, I think, what Eddie's talking about is like, where there's a strange one kind of disconnect. It's like, well, belly dancers, well, if you, you're just going to have entertainment there because that's what all these other events do. Is it appropriate? Is it the right entertainment? Oh, okay. You know, if, is it the right really doing the right kind of belly dance for what you're looking for? I mean, the problem is that belly dance is a huge term. It's an umbrella term, just like paganism is an umbrella term. Right. So there's so many different kinds. Now, going to cultural appropriation, this has been feeding in oh, at least a decade. And so I got primarily known for doing gothic fusion, gothic belly dance. And the, one of the main things is that I was coming from a foreign cabaret oriental background, which is to say Arabic style, uh, North African, Turkish, you know, those forms within American troll style, which is sort of a conglomerate fusion into itself. Mm-hmm. And... I was following my own artistic inspiration of like, I have this idea of combining myth, you know, and ritual with these, you know, the movement, like, cause the movement quality of how it's applied to the music, that's one of the key essential things. And in, if people aren't understanding that the basic vocabulary of the movement needs to connect to, I do this on a downbeat because this is where it comes from. Like it gets really wishy-washy. And so that's where the culture 
culture appreciation starts to come in because that they're doing a cultural dance, but they haven't learned how to listen to the music. They haven't learned how to properly execute the moves. They don't know, know that this is from Turkey and this is from Morocco. You know, it all becomes a, a mishmash. And you know, so I've been saying to folks, like, since 2008, you're going to do gothic and belly dance. First of all, you understand what gothic is. It's not just heavier eyeliner and, you know, fake blood, you know, teeth. Like, I, I, yeah, yeah, like, I've never preferred fake teeth or blood, by the way. You know, it's like, I sometimes even wear white. Oh, my gosh. And uh, the other the belly dance. So, you know what you bring to it. So if you study the culture, if you are taking that time to understand folkloric cultures, to listen to the music, to understand the whole living is not a pin. Right? You go to, it is constantly evolving and changing. Every year there's going to be a new movement, a new dress style. These things are constantly moving. But we'll have this sort of thing, we're going to stay this way. This is how we did it in 1983. Like, but that's not the living culture. If you disrespect, there's a whole bunch of Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Belly dancers who are anti-Muslim. Like, I'm not going to curse, but, you know, like, where culture comes from, you have to understand what is it First, Muslim, Islamic, you know, the different countries. Like, they're all just like, eh, it's all the same. Like, that's irresponsible. That's true for any it's sort of... insensitive, yes. It's insensitive and mindless for people to actually, uh, you know, take it for, for what it is. Granted, they take it for granted. I have, I Now I understand. Thank you for clarifying that. You're welcome. I didn't know. I didn't know that in belly dancing there is problems with that as well. It, it's yeah. everywhere, you know. It, it's really it's everywhere, and, and a lot of it. And we t- we talked about this a little bit, me and Alex. Um, you know, some of it I agree with, some of it I don't. Most of it I don't, because you know, we wouldn't have half the stuff we had if it wasn't for mixing cultures. You know, but uh, the future of humanity, it, you know, it's the mixing. It's in order for the humanity to progress, to evolve, we need to mix. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it can't stay stagnant. Well, I, with, you know, you know, I, I think what happened is. And America, America has that to offer. Well, I'm, ha- I'm an immigrant. But it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's not, it's not just here. We have more of a problem in America uh, with it. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, no one gives credit where credit's due uh, for those things. Okay. And we're so sensitive nowadays that I- instead of saying, hey, you should give credit to this culture for that, they just go all up in arms and go, oh, cultural appropriation, and now now we hate you and you can't do that ever again. Um, 
you know, so I, some of it I do agree with, some of it I don't. You know, I think when it comes to um, certain spiritual things, if you take it for granted, um, then it becomes an issue, I think, because then you're not respecting not only that culture, but that spiritual culture. And I think that's where a lot of people cross the line. It's okay to like, you know, let's say the sage thing. That's a, that's a big, big topic. Um, you know, it's okay to use sage. You know, I was taught, uh, being Native American, you know, I was taught that, you know, the plants, the sacred plants were given to humans, humans, not just, you know, um, the tribes it was given to humans to use in a sacred manner as long as it's used in a sacred manner that's fine there's nothing wrong with that it's just you know you have all these people you know you have cat pulling out sage and going you know waving waving her sage like i'm doing it no it, there's more to it you, you know respect respect where it came from respect why it was given to you and and I think that's what's lacking. It's just that respect from where uh, the things that we're doing from other cultures um, is missing. So instead, everybody puts up their little little flag and, you know, you're evil because you use sage. <laughs> no, it's, it's knowing, being conscious, being mindful of other cultures about uh, what, what you're doing, taking responsibility for it. Um, you know, now we live in, a, in an era that it's all this entitlement. There's no such thing as entitlement. It's something that you earn, you work hard for. Um, so I think that, you know, I don't know if off, the, off this topic, I, Laura, are you experiencing uh, Eddie's um, reception not clear? Or? It does um, crackle up a bit. It, it does crackle. Just to let you know, Eddie. I know we're live, but we're human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want us, uh, you know, I want you to be clear. Not, not, uh, what, what's that character from the 80s? Next <laughs> uh, Headroom. Yes. Next yeah, no, uh, I'm running at a good rate. Um, okay. Yeah. It could have been just, uh, just a lag. You know, everything, everything in the house is hooked up to the internet. So sometimes, you know, spurt out and then all of a sudden it sh shuts things off so but it gets too crazy uh, Laura um, well I remember I remember the first time I ever heard of the cultural appropriation title is when there was an issue with um, Sue, witch doctor and Pathaicon I think it was um, remember about it, he was coming out with his book or he was, it was right before he was coming out with his book or something that was an issue with him. Um, they didn't want to receive him. He was, he was, uh, uh lined up for one to be one of the presenters, but then they backed out or something, some political, um, frenzy that they had. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know all of the specifics for that. Cause there were two separate things that were happening that year, which was, uh, one was with Max Dashu, um, being known as a translative radical feminist, which made some trans folks very uncomfortable for Max to be presenting there. And I think the other, the, what the issue might've been brought up was someone saying oh, there was a person of color who was presenting something similar, but their presentation was turned down 
And just the communication broke down from, from what I can see just across the board, uh, because I think that's a really good opportunity for, um, from I don't really know too very well at all, but understanding like this is an opportunity to talk about how is information passed on within traditions and who gets to talk about things and who doesn't. And like, you know, that would have been a really good thing, but really it goes back further than that. I think when we're running into one of the major things that I see with cultural appropriation, what defines it is people taking something and then making a profit off of it without benefiting the culture that it comes from. Thank you. That's, that's the main thing. And I don't really think that was quite the issue without digging into that. Cause again, I'm not pretty to all the, the details, but when I, when I see that, you know, like one of the prime examples I talked about in my classes is, um, seeing on Instagram, this ad for this dark goddess class. And, you know, it was like $500 for the class, you know, whatever it was like some really pricey, um, thing for you know just online and i'm looking at the image and it's nasaraja shiva like not a goddess <laughs> not dark what do you do it like this does not instill confidence in to me what you're selling you're just like here's a cool image here's this thing i'm going to help you empower your dark goddess like you don't know what the hell you're doing. charging people a lot of money for it correct that's that gets into bullshit um and so that's that's a defining factor. And I think what we're missing largely in magical community, especially as you get out into the peripheries, understanding of nuance. Mm -hmm. I know, I know Utu personally, and he's a phenomenal man. He's, he's a genuine, loving, great teacher and and practitioner. And uh, as an artist, he's the, you know, a drum uh, player as well and vocals. So, I, I was like shocked to see that he was running into some sort of political war with uh, Patheacon, and, and I was um, uh, shocked to see that all this was happening to him. At you know, and, and uh, uh, about two years ago, I think, or a year and a half ago, or something like that. Yeah. So I was I was pretty shocked, and then all of this this all cultural appropriation. Uh, to me, it's just pop, you know, it's, it's about, yes, you have to, you have to know what you're doing. You, there's a certain responsibility, uh, and you have to know, you have to be an expert of what you do. You could be white, but still practice of, uh, African diaspora religion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I have, uh, European descent. I'm, I'm Cuban American, but I, I'm, uh, Richa. I have, I've been crowned with Ocha. And so I come from African diaspora as well as being as being a witch. So so you have to you have to be honor it with authenticity. I think that that's something that people don't they think oh we'll just make a, a hodgepodge of things and and it's that's not the case. You have to be mindful um, and see the the entire picture, not just a portion of your picture. I think it's also important to realize that we are dealing with so many age groups. Um, so many people were like brand new. It's like, if you remember back to years, like you're always a mess, you know, in the early years of discovering your path, you know? And so we need to have a little bit of patience for people who are figuring their stuff out, uh, you know, versus somebody who's been at it for a while. Um, and also people just don't understand the nuance and context. Are you going to argue like you're not supposed to be working with that goddess? And like, well, are you of that tradition? No. 
Are you going to argue with that goddess who came, who said, I want to work with you? You're going to argue with a goddess? Great. Have fun with that. (laughs) So it's like, if it's your part of personal practice, you know, these are the things we, we learn by mistakes, right? We learn by experience of what works and what doesn't work. If we get to those mistakes, that's important. Uh, but also realize the context for how we're doing it. So people are like, oh, I can't work with that goddess. They're outside DNA. And like, if Clay Ma is knocking on, is she not going to go away? Because you're like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little, yeah, yeah. A little too bad. <laughs> <laughs> that girl butt down and you know, learn something. I got a piece from Ali Ma and I bought it at Hexfest and I resonate with her and I'm, and I don't practice Hindu, but I resonate with her. It's something that I love. I, I'm, I'm with her. And so that's, that's something personal. Individual. Yeah. Oh, I, and uh, that's just, that's just it. You know, I see it a lot and I fight myself every day, every time I go on Facebook and I, you know, I belong to a lot of groups because I use it for promotions and things like that. And the, the things are in there. I fight myself every day not to comment on people's things. Um, you know, and because people are so sensitive about it, even if you're giving them proper information, um, it's like, no, you know, it's like, it's my way or no way on both ends. It's like, why can't we just share, you know, the knowledge that we do have to help you along your path and vice versa. You know, maybe there's something that, you know, you know, like it drives me nuts. And I, I just close out everything and I'm like, I'm, I'm staying off of it because I get into trouble because I'll post things trying to help someone. They'll ask a question and then I'll post, you know, an educational answer and, and, you know, an educated answer. And they're that by other people that, you know, that, that you're wrong. It, it, I'm not going to sit here and prove it. I don't have time for that. I got, I got, <laughs> You have a shop to run. (laughs) (laughs) And I think people are, especially within the United States, and again, this back to the 90s, really insecure. We have one book that has everything in it that says this is what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Coming from an Abrahamic background that says... These are the things right. you're supposed to do. Right. These are the exits. This is not, this is bad. I have that. Like this is the good, bad, evil, um, positive and negative, right? We're, we're so much more diverse than that. And that's very confusing and very disconcerting for people. Um, and so they're proud that they're going to be called out for doing thing wrong. And a lot of people understood the, like, oh, hey, how is that working for you? I'm going to work for you. Maybe try this instead of going, you're doing it wrong and telling people right. Uh, so that gets. Yes, yeah. it's, it's in the delivery. It's how you approach people, how you actually deliver them. Obviously, some people are more authoritative, you know, so they'll they'll say things and uh, it runs the wrong way. Uh, you know, it, it, it uh, you know, there's the uh, the ego there. <laughs> so you have to actually be mindful of how you deliver the uh, the message. Yes, I, I stand perfectly because I'm dealing with that in professionally in my in what so. <laughs> yes. Certainly. So we're, you know, we're getting all right. It's different. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
pieces of language. These days, I'm from both sides in the bridge generation. So I deal with a lot of elders and I deal with a lot of witchlets. And like, <laughs> you know, and they're like, the elders are like, no, no one thinks we have any. not seeing that as a reality because I'm seeing honor that's being bestowed on them and mission for their work. And the witch. But nobody is telling us we're doing it wrong and nobody wants to listen to us either. And like, oh, you, you both think the same exact thing and you're just, you know, cutting heads when you could be sharing that information that learned here because you don't want to ever, the more you want to explore it, let's learn about this, right? Sure. As soon as you go, I have learned all the things, expert, you have learned nothing. So being able to be point out with some young kids is, but what did the elements say? That could be something that basically informs your practice and something better approach it or something else about a deity or a culture, you know, to say to the kids, hey, well, we tried it. See how this would get back instead of going, you're doing wrong and you just it's it's again, it's this, I think at the same time, but they're just doing this in the middle. I bring this. Well, <laughs> yeah. You have to you have to be mindful, um, especially I, I some I monitor and you know mentor some some and i i understand perfectly what you say uh they say that they don't they're not that they don't and i'm i have to be very patient uh ginger gingerly with them <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's know, my should, nature should we do that though i mean you know as, as teachers i mean we all you know um should we care well, we're to even, do even that I, and even 90 age i'll always be a student as well as a teacher. Well, yeah. I think that, you know, that, that is something that is just humility is part of my spirituality. So that's something that I recognize. And, and with others, I do, I have to be compassionate. I have to be understanding. But when it comes to, you know, I don't tolerate stupid at all. I, that's, I draw the line. Like I back off or I just, you know, say a few things. But yes, I do not tolerate it, it to the point that it's like repetitive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, compassionate, uh, understanding. Um, to the point that you do, you do need to actually hold their hands while while guiding them through. Right, and, and that's okay. I mean, because every, you know everybody learns at their own pace. You know, I, I was a you know a teacher in. in the board of education as well. So, you know, I get it. Everybody learns at their own pace and everybody, you know, needs certain help with certain things. But like, like you said, there, there's a point of, you, you come to my class and it's almost as if you put up this wall that you don't want to learn anything as to what you already think, you know, and that's where I'm, you know, that's where I get frustrated a lot of the times. And, do we do we coddle that? I mean, as teachers, do we coddle that? Because you're here to to better yourself. I'm teaching to help you, and you don't want to hear it. So, uh, fine, you're paying me. I don't care. I think, but at the same time, it's like you know, like that's not what I'm doing this for. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for the thing. It's just it was. I was, well, I was told to do it in the middle of the night, like you said, getting bombarded by things, you know, that this is what you're going to be doing. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And they kept bombarding me in the middle of the night until I listened, you know. Um, And (laughs) so you get a point where you go, these people don't want to listen to you anymore. Like, (laughs) it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I was just curious as, you know, you guys are both as well. 
communication, but within that, you have to find, you know, core of patience. Uh, but, but yeah, with neophytes and uh, so-called witchlings that are starting out, yeah, you got uh, the certain level. I, everything in moderation, like my grandmother always said, every, you know, everything with moderation. Mm-hmm. So you have to find a balance. And you don't, I don't tolerate stupid either. Right, right, right. And you've got, you know, sometimes you know, after doing this, you start to recognize the patterns of someone who you could talk into your blue in the face. They still have to go out and make those mistakes. Correct. Um, you know, and so it's like, do you waste, not to say waste your time, but it's like, don't extend the effort in certain situations. Like, I've had someone who's like, oh, why this won't work? I'm like, oh. That's me 20 years ago. Aren't you cute? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I like, yeah, so you're just like, okay, you know, we'll see when you come back around in a bit. Um, you know, so you, you also understand, not understand, but recognize those, um, donkey moments, <laughs> the mule moments, if you will, of that to dig in until they realize that there's other information, especially for, you know, I also like to track like where somebody is in their path. Like the, you got the new, the baby witch level. Everything is so new and exciting and they're observing everything and everything is, you know, it's all a mess. Um, and then you get the people who are like into like the four, six years who are suddenly become expert everything. And no matter what you say, mm-hmm. they have a more on knowledge. So they know better than you. Ah, da, 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 da. It's like, Oh, honey. Yeah. But you, okay. I'm, I'm finding that happening more and more with, with, um, I don't want to say younger because, you know, really doesn't mean anything, but I'm finding that more and more in, in the newbies, the, the, you know, I don't like calling them witchlings either. Not yet. Anyway, they're not at that standard, but the newbies, <laughs> the newbies that come in, they seem to want, they come in with that attitude already. And that's, that's where, you know, it, it gets frustrating. It's just like, open yourself up, try to, you know, uh, to just you don't have to take what I'm telling you as as gold, but you know, open yourself up to something new, something different, you know. And with all my classes, I always try to keep things um, conversational rather than lectural because I learn too uh, from that, um, and it be, it becomes more relaxed for them. And that's why I taught when I was, you know, teaching kids too, I teach everybody like they're a child, but, <laughs> um, you know, but I'm finding that more, more of the ones that are coming in seem to think they owe it already and, and that their, their way is the only way or what they were told or because they're a hereditary witch or whatever their, their, you know, their thing is, is they come in with this, this stance of, uh, well, I'm going to teach him a lesson. It, like, it, it's just weird. I'm just finding it new, more and more uh, common over the last couple of years. <laughs> there is a problem with the reception, right? Is, is, yeah. it still, is it still going? Yeah, it's still going. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> Find out what that's. No, that's good for future shows. Um, no, I understand what you're saying, and I wholeheartedly agree. On it, uh, but it's a. I come from another generation. I honor my elders. I hear them. Now you don't have that anymore. It's uh, oh, I know it all and it all. And I said, oh, go ahead, show me. That's wonderful. Let me know. Right. And sometimes they don't know. 
and they need they and it's like oh I want to search for a spiritual path oh that's wonderful but do, do you actually tame your ego do you actually search yourself for humility mm-hmm. oh okay and and they don't so they have to find out for themselves and now I'm monitoring I'm mentoring this young person from dc and he's so excited and things about oh no i'm witchcraft i'm not wicca and this and that and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> it's all we're going to the labels now you know identification <laughs> right and, well, and it's like, that, that, that's a new thing too yeah, that's a new thing that's too. personal and that's lovely but you have to uh look you know towards the broader picture of of um advancing Advancing with our, our umbrella term, like Laura says, of uh, paganism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it is what it is, and uh, it brings a chuckle, brings me a, a sigh <laughs> or a tear <laughs> to me when I see you. We were once young as well. True. Very true. <sighs> so... <laughs> <laughs> and here we are now. And we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alex, Laura, um, you had some that you wanted to bring up. So, while I'm going to let you do that, and I'm going to go figure out why my internet is being wacky. Uh, yeah, sometimes when even when we were alone, it's happening. But no, um, Laura, one of the things that um, fascinated me is that all the information that you had on on the cauldron mm-hmm. uh, was it a, a, life, a lifelong search or a research of, of uh, info that you, uh, or part of your memoirs about the cauldron that you actually put together, amalgamated all this information within one book? Well, it's uh, it started as and you are you familiar that the um, it's from Llewellyn that's the witch's tools. So they had the broom, the athame, the wand, the book of shadows, uh, and so I saw the cauldron um, for the cauldron. And at that point, I was working on a book um, a book proposal for visual alchemy that they wanted. I'm like I'll get there, you know. That's sort of like I'm going to get that first book done. Okay. And it's, I saw this, and uh, so the the pagan society that I formed back in the 90s, Rizzi and Brown, Cauldron of Anun or Cauldron of Anwen, uh, pagan society, because it's you know the center of the world's inspiration, so perfect for an art school. And okay. it's like that, that cauldron mythology, you know, is going back now um, 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought, okay. I, I I really would like to talk about cauldrons because I feel like they get such a shallow representation in most books that talk about witchcraft. It's sort of a ember in the thing in the cauldron, or it's the womb of the goddess, um, which it's like, you know, cauldron does not really make a great womb or vagina. No. <laughs> And so in my proposal, I want to look at these myths and I want to take our exploration into them and what do they have an impact for us as a society now because that's a living thing. Uh, and let me challenge some of these gender specific things about cauldrons. And I thought the publisher was going to be like, nope, <laughs> nope out of this. And I'm like, yes, please. 
more, put more in there. And so a lot of that was, you know, doing that additional research, um, you know, the mess, that's my, that's my comfortable zone is, is really the, you know, dive into the store and such, because it's so related to my artwork. Uh, but going deeper into the history of the Gundestorge and uh, the Battersea and things like that, and find a little bit more of that information. And really, like, that could have been a whole book into itself was the history. So it's like, and that Gemini problem of like, I have to tell you all the things. <laughs> like, it's a little book. It's only 50 words. So I'm going to have to paint it down to a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. You know, it's, it's a cute little book. It's a cute little book. And I love I love the, um, you're actually the whole information you have about the cauldron itself. I think it's, a, it's really adorable and informative. And so I wanted to share, you know, with you because this is the first time I, I got to know about you. I was actually, I was here in New York and I, it was through Chris Lavasser. You were doing a class at it and I was it just, I was just, wow, wow, this, she's sing. you know what I mean? Because I picked up, picked up your energy. I thought you were phenomenal uh, energy and, and just the Mrs. Magic just oozed out of you. And so I was like, you know what, Chris, <laughs> I was like, Chris, please save me. This is a lady. Um, and I, it was my first picture. And then I got to meet you at Hexfest with, uh, Lady Rhea. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, um, uh, to see not only, uh, an author, but you were an artist. And I just fell in love with your pieces. I wanted to buy more of your, your goddess pieces. But one, you do your original, your original pieces. I would like, just let me know. You think that you're talented. Um, you, uh, offer such, you know, you're the, 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 the inspiration of magic. Well, I do sometimes do as well. So always get your own special. Okay. Well, I'll go. think about that. Especially since I'm not traveling. I've actually done several commissions. It's like, now, cause no, I'm like, oh, it's going to be six, eight weeks, three months, you know, beyond that for most things. I'm like, well, I have, I have some time to open that, which is, it's nice. Um, and the thing also about the cauldron book, like that was the, it's like I'm passionate about cauldrons, but it was, it's very scary finally breaking into writing a book. You know, I'd started writing a book over 20 years ago. I was involved in pagan publishing for Crescent Magazine. So I like, knew so much about the book industry that I was like, Oh, it's a scary thing putting a book out there because I know how people can be. Yes. <laughs> so naysayers and naysayers. Yes, I know. Yeah. Like, like oh, I see your book. Like you know, they never, they never have. Uh, but that was sort of that scary thing. So it's like you put this child out into the world, and like I care about this, but I'm not going to be crushed if people hate this. <laughs> you know, so that it was it, to get me familiar with the process. Besides going outside a blog post or writing articles and such, to get ready for the next book, which was Sigil Witchery, uh, which is like right here you know both that and we the lemon are like right deep there in my heart we're like the cauldrons like here like the, it's the cauldron of wisdom right it's it's here right yeah a little separate you know, in the chest and in the belly um so that was a, a really lovely entry into it um, so it kind of ease it's like going into the waiting part of the pool before you dive deep <laughs> okay no i have to check out your sigil the sigil book because the first exposure I had to sig sigil magic was obviously Lady Rhea here in New York um, when she first uh, developed the candle magic back when um, the you know magical child on 19th Street mm -hmm. in Chelsea, and so uh, her sigils 
became uh, fascinating uh, in modern craft because she developed that concept of the pull-out candle, uh, how she would then uh, inscribe it and then adorn it with with, um, with glitter. Mm-hmm. You know, the the, the 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 term glitter witch became <laughs> very predominant throughout the seventies and eighties. So. Uh, that was my first exposure to the invention of these sigils. And now you, as a modern practitioner, modern traditional practitioner, which have developed this uh, sigil book. So I'm fascinated to see that, uh, to see how you uh, incorporate today in today's world um, certain, uh, I guess, certain intentions with, with a sympathetic magic. Mm-hmm. So my my background, I don't have a ceremonial magic background or chaos, you know, which is what most people um, out, outside of outside of things. That's their first thing is to think of like the I will sort of sentence, you know, the 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 method sort of from spare that, you know, jumbled up and then you set it on fire, masturbate to it, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> you know or like I call the punnet of ceremonial magic where you have the little thing and you, you figure out the numbers and you do the swirly. And as an artist, uh, you know, it never felt right uh, because as you know, we were talking about earlier, like I'm going back to my early history as an artist at looking at ancient writings throughout Mesopotamia and North Africa and, you know, Native American designs and all these different designs from all over the world and saying, what is the feeling behind this triangle and this line, the shape and the circle and where it's placed? And that then has meaning to it, right? And going all the way back to cave paintings, right? That's the thing, like the initial sympathetic magic. So I would, you know, just intuitively start adding lines and marks to my drawings. And when I was teaching a workshop on visual alchemy, which is about the intersection of art and magic, uh, I would show the history of art making, you know, and magic and show some of my own paintings. And people are like, well, what are those little squiggles going like, well, those are technically sigils, probably not anything like, you know, because I don't, you know, use this method or that method. I'm using something that's very internal and very intuitive to me. Like, cool. How do you do it? Like, okay, let me um, deconstruct nearly 40 years of having to do this. <laughs> <laughs> that became the book. And actually, the first time I taught the workshop, it was at Pantheon many, uh, several years ago. People are like, are you writing a book on this? And I'm like, well, apparently you all like this. So let me go upstairs and talk to my publisher. And they're like, yes, we want it now. I'm like, great, good. Um, yes, developing this that anybody can use, that you don't have to be a ceremonial magician, that you don't need to know some secret language that you're never going to utilize. <laughs> I love that people are like, I carved my name on this athame. Like, can you read it? Like, I don't really can't read it because I only use those letters once. <laughs> so, so it's mostly, um, it's actually personal. It's actually yeah. your sigils is actually comes from your own personal device. I yes. see. That's and what then I to I, do. It's it's. I was more tradi- I was more traditional, the angelic, uh, ceremonial. I was more you know uh, Solomon. I was more the the traditional. But I'm looking beyond that. Like they're all methods that work because we're connecting our intention, right, with that mark and that line and the symbol and the ritual behind it. Correct. Uh, if you're outside of that system, 
right? What is your personal thing? What if you come from, you know, if you're Chinese right, and you're mixing different things together and you have these characters, which have a long history of coming from symbols like pictures and into letters, right? Use that. Or if you want to use astrology or maybe you're a musician and you want to use magical, um, not magical, musical nomenclature notes and such, suddenly that has more impact in what you're making than something that is intuitive and as we know the more you do your magic the more you do your spellcraft you want it to be something that's comfortable for you that you can get the faster result rather than pulling from something that's unfamiliar completely like, like now that you say that um lady ria was a pioneer in her right because she actually her own skills from you know voodoo angelic uh, ceremonial so she she incorporated all this uh sigils you know her own and mm-hmm. at that time, risky. It was quite, uh, you know, quite a, some, kind of a taboo. You know, it's like, oh, what? Are, what is she doing? You know, but she got, you know, that became a staple in uh, with with enchantments. So uh, kudos to her because I understand that that's the evolution, and now you're doing different as well. So it's wonderful to have that. It's the it's the evolution of the craft. I think that that's, that's something that it has to be admired and, and spoken about. Especially if we want to see change happen in the world where people are more connected to each other, to their own bodies, to their own concept, is that we do need to be able to be more accessible so that people can see that within themselves. Um, rather than keep feeding into this disconnect and it's like, oh, you have to be super special. You know, you have to be special. It's like, no, you know, there's so many ways to get there. Uh, and I think that if you can give the people the tools to, and show them how to understand, show them how they can understand it, that they can do it, that it's very practical as well, you make a big difference in your community. You're keeping people's knowledge in them. They become more compassionate and they have, again, it's just this beautiful feeding cycle versus becoming more exclusive and super secret about things. <laughs> That's great. Am I too dark? Just got a little more atmospheric. There you go. <laughs> I can put on the light. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't read your book either. I apologize. Um, you know, I, I've been doing sigils for. Gods, I was like 15, 16 years old. And I was always taught, um, you know, let almost let them speak for you rather than, you know, the, the traditional, like you said, the wheel and then, you know, the, the connecting the dots and all these other things that, you know, more ceremonial um, mag- magicians use and, and modern, um, witchcraft is, is found in. Uh, mine are more, you know, they're not even personal because each one is different. So it, it really speaks to me time. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll repeat them, things like that. I'll remember them. I, you know, I keep them in a, in a, a book. Um, but especially ones that are connected with certain goddesses or, um, certain intentions and things like that. I let them speak for me. If I'm doing a, a like a candle magic for someone, I my guides tell me what's going there that's for the person. So each one has their own thing. Everybody asks, like, they want me to teach them how I do it. And I, I, I can't do that. Like, I, it's amazing that you could be able to put it together in a book format. Cause I'd love to do that. Cause so many people ask and I can't teach that because my guides and that person's guides telling me what the sigil is so that that 
magical intent is specifically for yeah. uh, that's an isolated incident you're you're expressing you're sharing it with person right right it, it's it, it's it's something that I, I, I can't teach tarot. I've been reading tarot for like over 30 years. I can't teach it because of the way I do it. I don't do it. The tra- I throw the book out, you know, and none of that. It's what my guide me, you know, uh, or even their guides during a reading. So, you know, yeah, you could pull out, you know, the, the lovers. You know, it may not even be love at all. It may have nothing to do with that. You know, it, it just rep- what it represents, um, you know, because it triggers in my mind what comes out my mouth from them and social work is the same way for me that i i'm like oh okay i gotta put this in there for whatever reason sometimes i don't even know the reason and i just allow them to basically put it down in that pictorial language that increases that intention increases that magical intent there mm-hmm. um so it's amazing that you were able to put it into a book format in, in such a different way because uh, I've seen your sigils, I know you've posted them a lot of times. You, you'll come up with them, and I'm sitting there, I look at them. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like I'm trying to like really to pick it apart. You know, I understand what it's for, the intent is for, but I'm like, okay, why is there? What is? But then I I realize I'm like, she probably does the same thing that I do. That it, it, it's not yours. It's not your pictures. It's not your sigil. It's what you're apparently from other forces. That that's why it's got to be in that particular way so which is great that and now i gotta pick up a book and i gotta go like get apart so <laughs> i think uh like if you write something it'd be more about how you get into that state like how do you have that state for people because that's the technique right it's not necessarily how the donor throws done but how do you reach that psychic tap into that, if that's something you can write about because it's not that's not an easy oh, yeah it's like it's almost automatic it's, for me it's almost yeah. automatic. So like, you know, like there's no mumbo jumbo, you know, ritual that I got to do beforehand. It's just, it comes automatically for me. Um, and I don't know if I could put that into words. <laughs> I think that the root analysis of, of all of this is if it works, it, it works. It, I think it's uh, visualistic. It's, it's something that, um, it's it, personal to the point that it, it, you're putting the intention. It's all about the intent within the psyche. So, it, you know, you're, you're delivering that intention onto the cosmos and doing your sympathetic magic with whatever sigil you wanted. I think that that's wonderful. It has been shown throughout time. Right. But, you know, I have people that ask, you know, because it, it does work. You know, it does work for them. Um, well, for me, for them and things like that. Um, so they, they want to know that. And I'm like, talk to your guys, you know, put it out there. You know, when you're, when you're doing any kind of spell work, doing any of that, they want, you know, um, and it may not be, it may go against the correspondences that you know, it may go against the traditional symbolisms that you know, but go with it, go with it because there's a reason for it. You know, and I hate to say like because they said so type of situation because that seems to be um, a hot topic too with people um, without an explanation, having an explanation for it. But I think when it comes from your guides, um, you don't necessarily need the explanation way. It'll come. It'll come. You just don't need it right away. Uh, and then, you know, after things are, uh, you know, if I'm doing spell work with sigils, I'll go, oh, 
now I know why you wanted that in there. I'll see it later. And so, mm-hmm. so it's not, it's a hard thing to teach people. You know, I think more on the, on uh, people that are more advanced, maybe that are a little bit more open to that and understand sometimes you don't need a definite answer and there's no specific way to do things because I told you so, um, you know, and, and allow, open yourself up and allow us to, uh, say, a better intention, a more direct intention, and don't question, you know, because you'll get your anyway. Because I do that all the time. I'm like, oh, makes sense. <laughs> I think that feeds back into the thing that so many people are insecure. Right? They yeah. they don't trust themselves. They don't trust the experience. I I think one of the major issues that we're facing, largely as a magical community, is that people talk about magic, but they don't really believe in yeah. it. You know, and the same thing with like ritual, like they, they just expect rituals that you do, like you go to church, you do the thing, you put the thing here without connecting to it and understanding why you're doing it. So that's a big leap. That's the belief that you have power, that you are connected to the divine, that you can do things, spirits in the world around you. Those are scary. A lot of people aren't, even though they just did, they're not fully committed yet to let that happen. Yeah. I mean, there's still times in, even, you know, in my own practice and, you know, where I question, um, you know, I, I question things and, um, I get shocked a lot of the times too. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. You know, like things like that. So, and I always instill, you know, like convey that people that, you know, even, you know, I, I've been practicing for well over 20 to 30, uh, 30 years. Um, and I, I, I still get shocked. You know, I make sure I, I, I convey that, that, you know, even people me and, you know, um, and, and the most popular, well-known, you know, whatever author, or whatever, um, they still get shocked. They still, they still question because we learn from questioning. We, 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 we grow. And that's the whole point of the, the end result anyway is to grow. Um, you know, I, I'm just sharing my experiences. Uh, you it know, goes back years. to the, um, the combat is that I think that I'll be 90 and I'll always be a student. Yes. I'll always yeah. I'll be a student. I'll be 90, 100 or whatever. You know, the God, is, the God wants me to be and I always learn. And I think that that's part of evolution. Right. Mm-hmm. right. You can't do anything about that. It's it's the spirituality within, without, and the connectedness with the universe. So uh, these sigils that Laura, you know, I mean, has um, done, uh, I think, are phenomenal. And um, I'm looking forward to, for the book. Is it out yet? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah, it's um, whoa, yeah, 2018. Mm-hmm. I think it's in its fifth printing now. Yeah, look at that. Oh wow, great. So, yeah, the the last edition I think was like ten thousand copies. Like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that Sorry, was guys. the the design of that too. That was unique too, uh, wasn't it? Because it, it was uh, from what I understood that it was you wanted it more open to be flat. Yeah. 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 It's, like it's perfect. Yeah. So you know, and it's like the thing we were talking about earlier. Is like, what does that mean normally for you? It's like, think about these things. So. You know, when you see something, what does it say to you? But sometimes that meaning is going to change as it should, like with myth, like, 
you encounter a myth, you talk about uh, Persephone, like that's going to change throughout your entire life, how you relate to that myth, who you are, where you are in that myth. So I can't symbol change. Like I like to point out the hashtag, you know, where the hashtag, I mean, the hashtag is one of the most ancient symbols. It's one of those signs in the cave paintings, but it's also tic-tac-toe board. And it's also the sharp sign. Like we're going to constantly evolve and change. So, um, you gotta allow for that room to grow. Correct. I I agree. 100%. And what, what, Laura, what are your new projects now? Do you have any? Uh, are you taking a break? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have that, you have the uh, Oracle deck coming out. Yeah. So the Oracle deck is like, it's imminent. Like, it, it was actually the official release date was supposed to be may 8th and then it got pushed back back in january because they, they already saw they're like things are going on in the industry we're going to push this back to june but i'm waiting for any moment for the regular copies to come out oh phenomenal so wow. this is it's my first oracle deck it's uh, the liminal spirits which is about connecting with all these different kinds of spirits um, but it's not a kind of oracle deck that tells you what everything is. <laughs> I hate oh. that. Here's your love card. Here's the blessings card. I'm sorry. I'm really <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead, it's spirits of place. It is the trees. It is the different kinds of animals. It's the artifacts that we use for ritual. And so all of those, there's 42 of them. And so that's, I'm like, you know, book publishing, it takes so long. This is in like over a year in the making. So I'm like, it's fine. Wow. And right now I'm working on the second draft of a book that will be at some point, um, hopefully next year will be out. And that's a follow-up. Not really a follow-up. It's the next book after Weave the Liminal, which is about living modern traditional craft. This is getting more in tune with your body and using your body as a magical tool. So uh, that's a teaser for that so that's going on <laughs> it's my life <laughs> and you um what about your events um in rhode island i know you started some up when you moved there uh how's that panning out especially now with everything that's going on in uh, <laughs> the stay at home so um, so I had started the Witches Night Out Market in Seattle, which is a, a benefit event for a group, the, the Curie. And I moved out here. I got involved with the Society of the Evening Star. And the, they wanted to get back and doing their Witches Ball. And it had been many decades, currently, since I'm a Witches Ball specifically. Well, if you're going to do this, you need to connect with this age group and these people. Why don't we just do a fun event? We'll do the Witches Night Out Market here two months, a month before the event. That will help spread the word for the ball. Um, we'll get like 200 people. It'll be great. We had 2,000. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I had to move venues two weeks beforehand because it was clear, like, even if 10% of the people showed up, we would have been, it would have been obscene. And since we had to find, you know, find an even still bigger venue, and it's been going really, really well. I, I know that this area has so many different kinds of magical practitioners, but Rhode Island is like swimming between <laughs> pagans and witches and druids. And, yeah. And, you know, of course we've got, you know, Salem not Salem's that far right. away. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's all there's all that stuff going on, but there isn't so much down here towards Rhode Island and Lower Massachusetts. Because, you know, when I when I lived here, the last I put on an event called Waste Me, and that went on for five years between here and uh, Seattle, which is a dance event, um, dance events are pretty unusual, and people would be like, oh. It's so far away. Like, oh yes, I know we're from Massachusetts and the rest of the now. People flying in from Kenya, and you're telling me that New Hampshire is too. Uh, it's a very, very interesting mindset. So we've, you know, we were going to have our, our, I think it would have been our third event for Rhode Island, thirteenth, uh, and that was just when that the coronavirus had just started. Yeah, really, yeah. and. Because uh, so I set up um, our Seattleans to keep on doing their event, so they were going to have an event the same night. But Seattle was ground zero for all of this. Mm-hmm. It's like the really the first major. So I'm watching them go through, and even though that they own you, like it's part of where their thing happens, or they just knew that it had to shut down and they postponed. And I'm going, how's it going to go here? What are we going to do? And watching, you know, the governor start to talk about, um, you know, the folks coming up and closing that down and, you know, different limits on groups. And it just went through that last week, like the last couple days we came up to minimum of 500 people. And that by that Wednesday, I'm like, if we get down the less than that, we have a hundred vendors. Like we have a hundred vendors and readers and staff. Wow. You and we sold like 100 tickets. Like, we, how would we even do this? So, thankfully, also, the time Providence passed that you couldn't have more than 100 people for an event. Like, oh, Dang. postponed. So, postponed to April. The end of April seems <laughs> fine back in <laughs> March. Um, I think it was April, whatever it was. We zoned past that. We considered June, and I realized, like, it kept going on for June yeah. in this April. Like, sure, what if we start doing events? But you don't have if you can't have a hundred people, right? I do. Right. So venues like, well, we'll give everybody to the fall. Now I'm looking at September 11th going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my my event, you know, in the Poconos is, is in October, and I've been watching it really closely. I want to see how it's going to go. But to cut down, I mean, last year one, you know, we had uh, two thousand people. You know, over the weekend, the, the whole weekend, and um, one in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. You know, it's a big deal, and, and so now I'm really watching. And now, you know, it, it's bigger this year. Uh, we have more presenters, and we got a lot going on. And you know, I can't, I can't cut it like that. The, you know, just basically, I can't cut it down. Um, you know, so I've been watching and trying to figure out okay, what's going on. I've been the resort itself just opened up, uh, announced that they're going to be opening up this week. Um, so I have to, you know, talk with them and find out, okay, what, what, and because if we have to do, how do you keep vending areas for distancing? How do you keep, you, you, it's possible, it's impossible. Um, you know, some of the other stuff had, or, or even, uh, you know, we have the um, investigation, do that as six feet apart, you know, with 20 people per group. It going rooms, it can't happen. So um, if there's masks involved, that I think that's okay, and, and things like that. So I, I, we got to kind of look at it and see what's going on. But it's October; it's still a ways away. Things can completely change, you know, and and see. My my biggest worry with all of it um, is all these things that were canceled are now postponed to the fall. So mm-hmm. they have all, you know, all they're going to want to go here, they want to go there. That's pulling away from each and, and things like that. So, you know, that's my biggest worry. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. If I have to go virtually, I'll go virtually. 
um, or just wait until next year. And, you know, on Fred Hill Pole, uh, our second one, you know, um, it's been building, you know, building up. And, um, you know, like you said, with people coming from Massachusetts and it's too far, you know, Pennsylvania, oh, the, oh, the Poconos is too far. But I got people from Florida, California, and all these other ones coming. It's like, really? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But, uh, you know, I, I hate to pull that out. And my future in the Poconos and I you know, I'm leaving it up to my guides. They put me there in the first place. Um, and the event and everything, you know, they came and said, you're throwing a ball. Okay, I'll throw a ball. I'm thinking, you know, a VFW little 60 people gets the Pocono. Come. Next thing I know, you know, they led me to where I'm basically renting out an entire resort. Uh, and we had over 2,000 people. So, you know, I guess they were right. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, and so you know, I keep asking them about about the this year. They're like, just keep it going, keep it going. So I'm trusting them. This year. I'm trusting them, and uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in October? But you know, I'll end up living in California. I'll get on a plane and go to California and start one there. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I let them kind of play and. Uh, kind of have a rule my life nowadays anyway get up and okay guys what am i wearing what's the best thing for me and that's how it goes so. i think it's premature now to know what's going to happen or i we would have to wait until those uh are revealed or uh, i think maybe by september we'll know yeah yeah well i just find out uh <laughs> September has been canceled you know, Temple, so for Pezak's Temple Witchcraft, yeah. Temple X Fest, Fest. now, now, uh, in um, you know, all so these events are now virtual, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think opening up, I think, which is far too soon, we are likely going to hit our peak. Um, so, I, you know, it's like yeah. if we, if things had stayed closed and monitored and report is not going to go off on that deep rant uh, but we have uh, a better chance of things opening up in the fall but i'm just going yeah, i'm just gonna dig in yeah take it you know take Watch. it as it is take it as it is no like yeah. my internist my internist was telling me is that the metropolitan areas were actually affected then it comes into the middle of the country it goes up and then it comes back as a second wave Mm -hmm. So we're looking for the autumn as I can wave. Hopefully it will not. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that that that's not the case, but that's expecting. Right. Especially that we don't have facts yet. Nope. No. I think it, they're talking about January. Have to do appropriate amount of testing and people who are running out without any precautions right now. I mean, we're looking at was it's already at eighty thousand people dead. I think by June, 100,000, because people are just not... Fine, yes. Yeah, no. yeah. It, it's been going the same thing. It's like, it gets low for a while, and everybody goes crazy. Yeah. They go, oh, it's the lowest point. And then all of a sudden, it jumps up. Like, it, it, you know, what we should have done in the first place was completely shut down everything for the cheeks, and everything would have been a lot better, and we wouldn't go through uh, these crazy number jumps. I mean, it, the, the number jumps is what's frightening. I think what the true thing about it is that if it would have prevented this, if our government would have known if there was the, uh, you know, uh, the right task force 
that was eliminated by our current administration, I think that would prevent this. We yeah. would have had a heads up. We would we would have been prepared for it. Mm-hmm. But being it's it's you know obvious we you know is trauma. Okay, they were not they were not ready for this. So obviously this is this was an impasse, and for many throughout the metropolitan area, many throughout New York City, you know, experienced it. Experience. Now we have, a, you know, we've we've tail the tail so so, so forth. It's curved, uh, reached the apex and but still we we have a long ways to go. I think that if we would have we would have been better, we would prevent this. Unfortunately, we did not. Right. Right. And we and we owe that to our great administration that we have implemented today. Greatest of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being kind. <laughs> Politically kind. So, Laura, I'm I'm curious about going back to your deck. I know it's like a complete jump, but um, uh, I'm curious about the deck. Are the images from your paintings, or are they new? They are brand new, so they were created just for this deck. And I sat down and I hate to use the word channel, but I worked out a system. Because this is about Oracle is that, you know, I can create my own system for this. And I was like, I love the tarot. Because I love the tarot so much, if I'm going to create a tarot, it has to be within that system. Uh, So for this, I, I, you know, first, um, there is a system that I use in Weave the Liminal called Roots, your, your Inspiration, Time, Environment, and Star, which is how to develop your path, like to consider what's important for your practice and how to make it work for you, depending on your background, your experience, etc. So that was kind of a point of something that can influence that. And then the spirits of place, because where you live influences how your practice is. And so I kind of picked some of the quintessential things, uh, such as um, the ocean and uh, far and different things like that. And then I think trees and themselves are part of the big five, five of the key trees uh, that are often found in witchcraft that's pinned down. And so essentially with, you know, to 42 cards to pick five uh, on the inside, you have to have the, uh, the walnut tree in the vento. Uh, it's, it's way in there. <laughs> And, you know, picking some of the herbs such as um, mandrake and uh, belladonna and uh, mugwort, you know, all just poison plants, but variety. And we have winged things, which include birds, you know, such as moth and corvids, and also bees, kind of there. So we have snakes and salamanders and toads, and then you have your more furry creatures such as uh, goats and fox. And hairs. Oh, it's one of my favorite cards. And hair. That's right. Um, Reminds me of Glastonbury. <laughs> and the last thing with the artifacts are things that we use for tools, um, such as clay, crystal, metal. There's the crystal. Oh, wow. In there. And because things that we use to make them have their own essence, their own energy to them. But once we start working into the relationship, it starts making and then the use takes on another consciousness self. And uh, because there are eight groups and five is 40, we need two. Um, we have a gateway card, which is a labyrinth. And then you have mushroom because mushroom does not fit anywhere else. Hmm. And 
So each of these, they talk about this can bring to you as a consciousness of the spirit. They have little messages, but I encourage people to work with the cards for meditation, for spellcraft, for divination, and see what speaks to them so that if you want to work with the spirit now, obviously, then, you know, it's just not just one kind of mushroom, but like, where do you want to tap into uh, so that you can use that to be a gate to other kinds of creatures well. and just be more close to these things in our practice you know, interrelated that all these threads are, are working together and um, you know, part of the pattern rather than being um, in such a way that you know we're overseeing the pattern like we we are well so i think that liminal really all right mm-hmm. so we're gonna see a tower deck <laughs> I do have plans. Uh, <laughs> the, the, I actually came up with a couple of years ago uh, in which, again, the publisher was like, yes, please. But I knew I was going and I did not want to tackle 78 cards and it'll move in the process and that. So like, oh, an oracle. Uh, and the funny thing about the oracle, so I had done some paintings for um, a, a show that were these little spirit paintings. I'm like, these are wonderful. These were so much fun. What if I did a deck out of them? And they said, yes, make a deck out of these. And it was a different, so I had to redo everything. But I thought I'd do a couple cards a week. You know, like, yeah, 42, just do a couple. I I don't work that way. I <laughs> 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 um, set and rate myself and just do a, a painting a day. So it ended up being a two week long process that I did for two weeks was these paintings. Like my, my partner come up and be like, here's food. <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Here's a cat, pet a cat. It, all, it had to be all at once. It's like all of these spirits and working with them and getting the art come through had to be this, you know, in-depth experience couldn't just be like um inhibit it because i know for myself you know as an artist i don't (laughs) i have to okay i have to go and do this i have to wait the process that go through to to get to that final product uh did the deadlines kind of inhibit that on on creativity and and pulling that in not really i i tend to when i get a little bit of a push or stress uh because otherwise i'll sort of (laughs) yeah. <laughs> the hilarious thing is that I made nine whole paintings before I actually sat down to do this deck that were other the procrastination paintings. So uh, the painting of Bridget, uh, that their um, Gemini painting, um, the Oshun, uh, there's, you know, all of like all of these things that I did instead of what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I enjoyed doing the test paintings for it. I was having so much fun, but then I sit down and go, oh my God, people are going to use this deck. You know, so there's a little bit more of a higher commitment of like, it's going to be in print. There's going to be thousands of copies of this. Uh, uh, so it, um, it does help, but I think I got, I got the art done well ahead of the deadline because not because the publisher gave me a deadline. I decided I wanted one more so in Seattle. I connected with more like, I was like, so I'm going to have 42 paintings. <laughs> <laughs> you have a spot April. Let's get this done. And so I got the last painting done right before I had to set the show up um, and scanned everything in. So I think the art was a month early. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> my own deadline, you know, this sort of thing. Same working on now is I sort of have a line, but I set it up. I'm like, I'm going to get them by the end of next week. Give it to my mother to look at. <laughs> my so, mom's uh, those originals under lock and now. Well, most of those are. I think I have paintings left. A third of the show, or 
maybe even more than that sold at the first. And yeah. So I, my, my partner's like, why do you keep selling the art? I'm like, because I will keep art and we will drown underneath art. And that's what he does. <laughs> I, the, the art has to go somewhere else to live though. The, the recent paint, the series that I've done that the um, elemental essence pieces that I did, God, was that a month ago? March. I did them in March for Beganicon. It, it that was the was beginning just, of March, I think. Well, at least I, from yeah. what I remember from. Yeah. Yeah. Those are still sitting because I'm kind of going. One, which ones do you have left? Uh, and the, I think I have B, which is funny. The honeybee is still around. Oh. Uh, the moth, I think that's. Um, Luella's going to do a promotional ones, but I think that's the one they've selected. They clay and. Wow. Which. Uh, honeybee. Okay. Yeah, it's around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff going on. Well, I, you know, the bee, I would be with Kathy. Hecate. Oh, yes. Uh, the the old practitioners you would teach me about, uh, the bee always part of Hecate's spell. You know, a, the sleeping bee. Actually, there was there was a spell that or a song that Barbara Streisand sings, Sleeping Bee. Ah, yeah, Hecate was uh, with the bee, that the associated with the bee. There's, 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 look it up, but there's a spell. Oh, okay, nice. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> you, have you seen the Queen Bee painting? No. 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 Uh-uh. Just pull it. It's only you know where to move it, so a cat didn't sit on it. <laughs> so, oh, that's wow. phenomenal! Wow, that yeah. is amazing. She's like, so this is the one I was going to be. Um, so one of the major projects that I have just for me right now uh -huh. is I've been missing Marie Laveau a painting, and I was be. sitting down to work on her when this bee was like hey hey just put that aside for right now <laughs> and, you know, and certain entities where I'm like you you can wait and you can push back but um i had to sit down and do hers um like three weeks ago Ooh. i have no concept of time right now what is time yeah uh, yeah, yeah i know if you ever do yamangsha yamangsha Call me. <laughs> Your uh, number one customer. There's uh, the water one that's in the elemental series. Uh huh. That's um, I did a cut for somebody, but um, for her, and I did limited edition prints, but only seven. So. Oh. Uh, but that is uh, I've done pieces of her. So. Because I'm, I'm actually I'm one of your original pieces. We can make this happen. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I am a connoisseur, and, so and I, uh, I I think the world of you. So. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when uh, my lord uh, Philadelphia Pagan Pride Kali one was actually the one that I was going to buy. Um, really? By the, to, by the time I got to and doing all the things I had, you know. She was all packed. I was like, oh, next time I see her, I'll... Oh, I know. <laughs> Laura, this is actually not the original. It's just a copy, right? That is a small version. That's the shrine size. So the painting was three feet tall. 
Wow. That must have been awesome. Yes. It lives in California. Uh, so, yeah, that's the shrine size, the, the temple size, uh, a little smaller. And I do do paintings, uh, not paintings, prints of um, the three-foot pieces as well. I call those temple prints. Okay. Gotcha. Temple, shrine, altar, because everything has to have a identity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What size is this? What I, love, I love that bee, that uh, queen bee uh, painting of yours. Mm. That's a piece. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we are about 15 minutes uh, to our 9 o'clock ending. Uh, Alex, we can talk to hours we and keep can, going. Good. Uh, that's fun. <laughs> I, I've been interviewed for an hour, and I was like, okay, uh, happy to go through. But this two hours is it's heavy. <laughs> yeah, but see, but when it's relaxed and it's not really an interview, you know, we show no, off and we do like, these things fast. Um, so if there's anything that you want to share uh, with our listeners or anything that's uh, coming up or anything that you want to promote or anything like that, um, now's the time to do it. And then uh, we can say our goodbyes and then we'll say our goodbyes. And uh, my, my, my gratitude and I completely thank you for joining the show, um, being in this is first live, hopefully – uh, everything turns out on the other end for people to hear it. You saying I've been having audio problems, which I think I figured it is. Um, but uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And uh, you're a wonderful person. Your art is wonderful. I can keep going, but I'm not going to. You don't need it. So. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to, to promote and do what you got to do. Um, you know, talk to people, let people know where to find you, get your information, um, you know, purchase and all that. All right. Well, thanks for, for having me. Um, so right now, the main thing I've got going on is weekly workshops. So, um, Hazard Witchery, if you've ever been intrigued by Hazard Witchery, uh, Thursday, this coming Thursday at 7 p.m., and uh, We the Limit will be the next week. And so I always put those up on my website, which is Laura Tempest Zakroff, that's Z-A-K-R-O-F-F.com. Um, otherwise, you can find the Facebook page for that as well. And so always, uh, probably through there, I'll be doing at least a weekly job. Um, I was doing two week, but with trying to work on a book. <laughs> me down a little bit. <laughs> and uh, kind of in the process of moving and updating websites, it's like, this is the perfect time. Why didn't I learn how to use a new web program? So for, for right now, things are at lawrence.croft.com, but I also have alchemy, K-E-Y-M-E. Uh, that's alchemy.com. But I just set up a new store on Square, so alchemy.square.site, I believe. But again, you can you can get to um, in the moment, like where there's the URLs going to go to the new place. But I've been using Adobe Muse, which is, uh, they discontinued the support for it. So now I have to find new ways of uploading artwork and doing store stuff and such. So this is the perfect time to learn new skills, right? Because I have nothing else. And uh, you can also pre-order the Oracle deck through the site. You can get this through my website. Um, as soon as the is... And I will be shipping it to everybody. This is this is the preview, but as soon as I get that, so I know a lot of folks pre-ordered it, so I'm excited to get those to to people. When is it, when is it come out again? 
The official release date is June 8th, as okay. we know that they've like the preview samples have come in. So usually like maybe this week they'll be in at Llewellyn's so that they'll be shipping everywhere else. So that's where we're just kind of in that, you know, everything's delayed. All yeah. the shipping yeah. pack, you know, they're, they're, they're printed, they're ready. It's just a matter of, is it a boat? Is it a plane? What did it get on? Right. I don't <laughs> <laughs> so coming through Godzilla, that could be the next thing for June. Yeah, so, yes. so that will be there. And of course, the folks can order it from Llewellyn as well, or do ask your local witchy shops. That's kind of my favorite thing to, to recommend is, you know, the local cult shops, metaphysical shops have been hit really hard by this. So if, folks order books and such please uh, if you don't want to order it from me check with your local stores and see you know they probably already have it on their list to come in anyway so reserve a copy of them so you can support your local Perfect. business well if, if we'll talk because then uh, i'd love to have them in, in my shop but I'd, i like to go through the author themselves um i think it's uh, it's just a personal thing as an author uh rather than going through all the other messes but we'll talk about that and bring our stuff into the shop um again thank you if there's that's i don't even know anymore i'm i'm sitting here i'm like just thinking, <laughs> thinking i'm like oh, i gotta get that deck like, <laughs> to answer my collection i was just talking about this with us the other day you know i have over 70 decks and half of them aren't even open because i purchase them for for the art rather than the, the, the use so i may have mm-hmm. to add that one to uh to my my box of boxes of boxes of cards <laughs> this is one though you can't use so hopefully because they have the same thing like oh pretty art it's gonna sit in the corner but well anyway. that's what a lot of times actually what i'll do is i'll um i'll, I'll frame them um mm. my next one's framed is i i got this deck uh, that that all the cards line up into a separate oh. picture. Um, yes. So I, that's my next one to, to get print, uh, framed. Um, and I had, and the David Bowie one. Um, so I, yeah. I, I tend to do that with them. So, because to me, it's art, you know, if they don't resonate with me on that spiritual reading level, um, do resonate with me art as art pieces, you know, as an artist. And I, I frame them to me, they're pieces of art. So, uh, so I'd right. love to have yours. I'll let you know where I put it. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Laura. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, at least we've we've met in passing. You know, in New Orleans and so forth. But now we were able to actually interact for two hours or less than two hours to interact and and actually share uh, the love and and uh, our experiences. So it, it's it's a wonderful uh, opportunity to see what a sensational person you are. Oh, gosh. Well, this was absolutely lovely. I hope you guys stay healthy and rejuvenated as we work through this. For you and yours. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. We have well, five minutes. We have five minutes left, so uh, let you go and you enjoy. You, and yes, my tree witch. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, we, it, we, we had we had a good what? hours talking. Yeah, I was talking. Two hours. Like I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's amazing. 
Yeah, no, it, we did good. We did good. Uh, hopefully, you know, everything went over to Facebook and YouTube. I'll check that after we're done. Okay. Um, and, still, you know, is this still being recorded? It's still being recorded. We're still alive. Okay. Um, but I just, I just wanted to touch base on with everybody, let everybody know we'll be going to UPR and talk radio very shortly. That's 107.7 FM in New Orleans. Um, when it, we don't have an exact date yet, but we're getting very, very close to it. Right now, we're just live on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Spreaker. And uh, if you notice underneath me, there is a space for ads. So if you're interested in advertising on this old witch, uh, uh, you could just reach the website and all the information in the two packages that are there and uh, you know help us out with... Um, you know, our cars for broadcasting and everything else. And uh, I think it was a pretty good show. What do you think, Alex? What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, people contribute to it uh, with the so forth because this is a way of that we take our, our all our own time to contribute with informative interviews, like with now our first with Laura yes. Tempest. Yes. Next Wednesday, we have a special episode yes. with uh, Christopher Penza. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, this coming Wednesday, uh, yes, can I say with the Wednesday after? Because oh. we'll be recording uh, because I have a class that I have to do on the day that we normally read. So it'll be a special episode. Then we'll be back the week after. And I'm not going to say who we'll get on just yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> If if we have someone on, maybe we'll just talk about ourselves. <laughs> uh, to talk about the world. It's, yeah, all right. It's, 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 yeah. It, it, there's so much to talk about anyway. But I don't know about two hours. <laughs> well, I'll let you take the last two minutes out. Well, a uh, minute. And a half. I'll let you take that. Anything you want to say to everyone? You always have such amazing well, words to tell everybody. Last thing for all we, as yeah, approach. Uh, you know the the show. We were now that the pause here in New York, we have the so-called pause. We're coming towards a lockdown where it's going to be lifted. I want to say that people to be mindful, to, to be correct with their behavior, to contribute to others, be mindful. I think that that's so important nowadays. Uh, so we won't have the second wave in the uh, autumn season. So I, I wish everyone great a great night and blessings as always. Yes, good night from Soul Witch and safe blessings. Bye bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.